one of the things that's really helped us a lot maintain a balance is concert, like protecting our own energy so that we can actually show up for each other. You start to afford more luxuries over time, you become more experienced, but you can't really shortcut. There is no shortcut. You gotta go through it, you gotta learn, you gotta fail, you gotta go through all of that. Welcome to the Boss Bay Podcast, a place where we share with you the real behind the scenes of building successful businesses, achieving peak performance, and learning how to balance it all. I'm Natalie Ellis, co-founder and CEO of Boss Babe, and your host for today's episode. And today, I'm actually interviewing my husband, Stephen Ellis. I am constantly getting asked how we both balance being so ambitious and goal-driven. So today, Stephen and I are going to take you behind the scenes into our marriage and talk about what it's like when two entrepreneurs get married. Because let's be real real relationships are hard regardless of what you both do for jobs right they take a lot of work and although Stephen and I have been really good at setting boundaries that wasn't always the case and we have our own set of challenges that I want to be really open and transparent with you about I am not the kind of person that likes to just show my highlight reel I think being able to bring you behind the scenes and share what's real for me is really important because I love to see that from other people too the pressure of owning your own business and the responsibilities that come with that can and certainly have an effect on your relationship. I'm sure you're aware of that and have felt it too. And it can be quite challenging to balance everything when you're both under a lot of stress. So today we're going to take you through our journey from marrying each other just four months after meeting for the first time to owning our own businesses and moving to LA. We're also going to touch a little bit on routines and rituals that we've put into place to really ensure that we don't neglect our relationship and how we've learned to communicate with each other because we all know communication is key in any relationship. Steven is going to take us through his story from being a professional gamer to building a platform of Facebook to now owning his own company. He has such an incredible story and I don't think I'm biased when I say that. He really, really inspires me and I think this episode's going to have you feeling the same. So if you're interested in hearing our story and learning how two married entrepreneurs balance it all, then keep listening. And as always, take a screenshot and share your biggest takeaways and Insta story. Tag me at IamNatalie at BossBaby.inc and then I'm sure Steven will would love it if you tag him as well. Let's give him some boss babe love. He's at Snoope, but it's spelled S-N-O-O-P-E-H. That'll all make sense why he has another name when you dive into this episode. A boss babe is unapologetically ambitious and paves the way for herself and other women to rise, keep going, and fighting on. She is on a mission to be her best self in all areas. It's just believing in yourself. Confidently stepping outside her comfort zone to create her own vision of success. Vision of success. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. So glad to be here. I think it's was, uh, I don't know, a year in the making that we finally got me on the episode. <laughs> I know we've been saying for so long we'll do it. Today's kind of fitting though because we didn't realize until this morning. I mean, it won't be when it airs, but this is three years to the day that we had our first date. Yeah, it is. I actually didn't tell you. I tweeted out that picture today of when I was, basically, I was hitting on you on Instagram. Yeah, give everyone context. Tell them the story. Yeah, so dating for Stephen Ellis back in 2017, I came across Natalie on Bumble and Natalie didn't get back to my message. I was pretty bummed because she was like, this is a really cool girl. Like, I really want to meet her. And I decided I was going to stalk her on Instagram and try and find her because she wouldn't get back to me. And I came across you and I slipped into the DMs very casually. And I think my opening was like coffee emoji question mark. And that was it. And one thing led to another. I was like, okay, let's get some coffee i'll give you a tour of the facebook office which is where i worked so it wasn't really that cool 
And I think you said yes. You were right in. It was good. Yeah. So for context, I'd actually deleted the app. So if Stephen Stephen hadn't have stalked me, then we wouldn't have even met, which is crazy. But also because it was coffee and a tour of Facebook, I genuinely didn't think it was a date. So I only said yes because I he DM'd me and I was like, oh, it's interesting. He's from Scotland. It's really near where I'm from at home. Like I'll go. But I wasn't thinking it was a date at all. And you were so unimpressed as well. The big thing, I was like, I had this like nice little car. And for any car, it was like a Miata. So I had this nice little car and I like turned up. And she's like, oh, this is your car. And I was like super bummed and it wasn't going off that well. But fast forward three years and here we are. I mean, we got married four months after we met. So yeah, it can't have gone too badly. Can't have. I think it was a great date. I actually recommend this and maybe I'll get some flack for this. When you're dating as a young guy, free dates are the kind of thing to optimize on where you can tell if a girl really likes you or not at the offset. What do you think of that? I think it's bullshit. It worked. I was not impressed by the free date. I thought we were going for coffee. I think you're full of shit. Please don't write a book about it. Anyway, so moving on, we could talk about our relationship all day, but I kind of want to talk a little bit about your journey because you actually have an incredibly inspiring story. And then I would love to pivot from there to talk about what it's like for us as two incredibly busy entrepreneurs in a relationship and how we make that work and things that we have. So I would love for you to start with your career in the beginning i mean you're a professional gamer how on earth did that even come about yeah so full context i got paid to play video games full time for four and a half years and i was studying university small thing in scotland studying university doing computer science and i told my my mom that i was going to drop out of university move to south korea and play video games for a living for no money. I wasn't even getting paid when I first decided to do this. And she thought I was absolutely batshit insane. Couldn't believe it that our son was just going to go to the other end of the world and play video games. Found it very difficult to explain to anyone back home that that's what he was going to do. But I did it. And it was one of the most incredible journeys. Like, it's such an amazing chapter in my life. I ended up competing at a tournament in South Korea, and we actually were able to play in some incredibly epic venues. One of the places that we competed at was the Korean War Memorial, which if I could just take you there for a second, you can imagine this national war museum. We're playing outside in front of a crowd of 10,000 people and we're competing for the national championship in Korea at the time. And there's so many events like that that we've had over the years. I actually compete in over 40 countries and got to see meet so many incredible, amazing people throughout that. We compete in the Staples Center, I competed in South Africa, lived in Germany for a year, competed all over China. It was an absolutely phenomenal journey. And I think one thing that a lot of people face is like a stigma associated with gaming. And this is one of the things that I always fought when I was growing up as a kid. Typically a gamer in his mom's basement eating a bag of Cheetos. That was the kind of tip stereotypical gamer. And I really sought to fight that narrative that and try and legitimize competitive gaming. And it's called esports for those of you who don't know. And that was a big part of my career growing up in my early 20s was carrying that flag and making sure that gaming was not treated as this kind of waste of time or waste of space. It gave me so many opportunities to meet so many incredible people all over the world and compete in stages in front of millions. I had no idea that you competed in over 40 countries. That's pretty badass. It's pretty badass. Now we know. Okay, so this story sounds pretty linear and easy, but... 
obviously I know you and I know that's not the case and to just drop out of university is not an easy decision at all I mean you're already there like there's a part of your mind which must have been like why don't I just complete another year and just get this done and then I've got a degree so what was that really like? I was the first in my family to ever go to university. So I had this, a lot of expectation and, and pride that my family had in me. It was like, wow, you are, you're going to be the first in our family to go to university. Like kind of flaunted, like, you know, this is the golden child that's going to university. And at that time, I was 19 when I was at university and my dad was fighting cancer for two years. And it was a really difficult period. I was just on the cusp of starting to compete a little bit, like not professionally to the where I was like traveling all over the world, but I was competing online and getting some success on the internet. And one time I came home from university and my dad was upstairs and he was fighting an infection, which he was screaming at the top of his lungs. If you hear like an old, a grown man scream at the top of his lungs as a son and you come in, you're like, holy shit, this is bad. I rushed upstairs and I'm like, wow, he, you know, there's something wrong with him. And he was fighting this infection. He had chemotherapy from cancer and was fighting this infection. And I was like, shit, why was I at university? I don't care about university. Why am I there? He's here dying and I'm like at university. What's the point? And that was a kind of catalyst for me to reevaluate like what's important. Part of me used it as an excuse, I'll be honest. Like at the time when I was there, I was like, I'm just going to be home with him more. And it means I can also play video games more. But I didn't risk like the situation where I was away at university, no one else was home, and he had a situation like that again. Fast forwarding a little bit, I was starting to compete and I went to this tournament in China and I was there, we got third in the world. It was the first time I'd ever been to Asia. It was incredible. I was blown away by the culture shock. As a small town kid in Scotland going to Asia, I was like, whoa, what is this? This is weird. You know, there's 20 lanes of traffic and like armies to cross the road and like all this stuff. And I came back and I just couldn't wait to tell my dad what happened and how cool it was. That day that I got back, he was still working every day, even though he was fighting cancer. And I was going to tell him that night, but he was in bed um, already because he was working the next day. And I was like, whatever, I'll see him tomorrow. He went out to work and I got a call from my mom that afternoon saying, hey, your dad's in hospital. You know, it's one of the routine things that happened. Anyone who's had a parent or a family member go through something like that will go to hospital quite a lot. I was like, cool. She's asked, don't do want to go there. Don't want to go see him at the hospital. And I was like, you're cool. Just come pick me up on the way home from work. Uh, she came home from work, picked me up. And then we went into the hospital. I went and he was getting put under for an endoscopy, which is where they just go check out your throat. He was coughing up blood. It happened before. And I went and I seen him and I just couldn't wait to tell him about China. I was like, I can't wait to let you know about this. And he was going under to do the endoscopy and he never woke up. And that was like the biggest catalyst in my life to go, I need to do what I'm passionate about and what I care about. And even though I was going to pay no money at all, I was like, I'm going to fucking do this. And I went out and then competed professionally for four and a half years and was one of the best gamers in the world. Firstly, thank you for opening up about that and being so honest, because I think a lot of people listening can probably relate in some way. But also, I think one of the things I admire about you is you've really never lost that sense of why am I doing any of this? You really know what your priorities are and you've carried that through. And I think sometimes it can be pretty easy to get a level of success and continue to chase goals and dreams and neglect the things that really matter to you. And I think that's one thing you've done really well. I appreciate that. Thanks, dude. Welcome. <laughs> no problem. Okay, so fast forward, you started playing games professionally. You were incredibly good at it. For anyone interested, there's actually a Netflix documentary, which you're in, and it talks a lot about that. What's it called again? It is League of Legends Origins, and it's a story of one of the most incredible game companies of all time and how they built one of the largest sports, actually the third most popular sport in America that they've built. 
through video games. So if you're curious, you're like, what the f*** is this all about? I highly recommend checking out League of Legends Origins on Netflix. So you were gaming and was it you were 23 when you decided to retire from gaming? I was an old man. I needed to hang up the headset and the mouse and, uh, you know, retire. What inspired that? Because I'm curious. I mean, you had no doubt thousands of fans like watching you, like you were idolized at what you do. No doubt dating was the easiest thing in the world. Like you had it all that any 23 year old guy would want. So what was it that made you want to trade all of that in? So I think I want to put it in perspective, when you're competing at the top of any field, even if it's playing video games for a living, it sounds super easy, right? It's like, oh, wow, like they make it look so easy. But I can promise that it is not in any capacity, especially when it's competitive in things like sports. I was competing against 100 million players every single month. I had to be the best player in the world, top 100. I was practicing seven days a week, 12 hours a day. It was relentless. I did that for four years. So I think for me, I was realizing I'm at the top. Where's this going? What can I do next in my career? Where can I make an impact? And really drawing a lot of inspiration from some folks in traditional sports. But I had a lot of great mentors around me that I got to just ask, like, you know, what should I be thinking about? What's next? And that's when I decided, like, I'm feeling pretty burnt out. I've traveled so much in this four-year period. If you can imagine, I was on an international flight every two weeks to a month, and we were competing nonstop. And I was just like, I'm pretty burnt out. I've got a lot of great things going for me right now. I want to go to the next step. And the biggest thing that I was passionate about was how the industry worked. I wanted to get involved in the behind the scenes, less in front of the scenes. Even though I had plenty of opportunities in front of the scenes, I was like, I want to help build this industry and I want to play a major role in that. And that kind of begun my journey after being pro. What was it like turning down big opportunities that would have helped you? I mean, would have catapulted you into celebrity status. What was it like to turn those down to go work behind the scenes? It was hard. I had some really incredible opportunities. And it's so funny because I look at myself today and like things that I think when things are too easy and you're like, you're handy, these incredible opportunities, you're like, F that's just coming too easy to me. I've worked so hard for everything that I've done. This is too easy. I'm going to say no to that because I need to go through some suffering first before I can get to the other side and get that reward. At the time, I got some really incredible things. You know, one of the roles that I got offered was being like, the Anthony Bourdain of gaming, <laughs> traveling the world, eating food and experiencing gaming through their culture or experience their culture through gaming. Incredibly cool opportunity. But I was like, no, that's way too easy. I can't do that. I turned that down and various other things. And I really wanted to fast track my understanding of the business world. And that's why I threw myself into a startup that was funding. I wore multiple hats and I just went on this aggressive pursuit of growth in areas that I hadn't got to do when I was actually competing professionally so that I could understand the space. So you did the startup and then you ended up actually going and working at Facebook, yep. which resulted in you having a massive impact there and like being in a meeting with Mark Zuckerberg. Like talk a little bit about that because that was pretty epic. Yeah, it was a pretty stressful time, not gonna lie. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, San Francisco. So when I was at the startup, I got approached by Facebook to run their esports division, which is their competitive gaming division. And at first I was like, cool, this is flattering, but I don't want to work at a big company. Fuck that. I've had so much autonomy for seven years. I don't want to work at any of these companies. And then it kind of like settled in on me. And I was like, well, what would it be like to work at one of these big companies? And I spoke with a bunch of mentors and I reflected on like, okay, there's different companies that are in the space using all the energy that I have and passion I have for this space, I can join one of these companies and make an impact on the industry as a whole. 
even more outsized than I had done in my career. I was like, I can really, if I can get one of these bigger companies to give a shit about the space that I care so much about, there's a lot of room for impact on my industry. I considered the different ones, you know, Google, the Amazons, Facebooks. And Facebook, I spoke with a lot of mentors and friends, was the one that stood out the most. And honestly, getting in there, it was super humbling. You know, it's a bunch of absolutely kick-ass rock stars in each of their different fields and roles. And getting to work with them was incredible. I actually remember going in and I was like, I don't think we should just do esports. I think we should do way more than just esports. We should like approach gaming all up and really taking ownership over that strategy when I joined. And that led to me kind of being the internal evangelist for gaming at the company. And fast forward a little bit, got to pitch to Zuck. And casually just calling him Zuck over here. No big deal. Yeah. Well, I, well Mark Zuckerberg, I got pitched to him. Uh, <laughs> and Frame, like the thing that I'd been working on for you know a year and a half has got some traction. And I think there's a massive impact that we can have on the world. And I framed that to him. And it was a super cool opportunity. It was so funny because we'd been working for a long time. And I'd been in different like threads and things like that. And we worked for a long time for this moment. And this was really like our chance to level up and go to the next stage. So like a lot of pressure, you know what I mean? busting your ass for a year and a half. I was like, I'm going to work out super hard. I'm going to go to the gym. And like, if I usually do like three sets, I'm going to do four sets. And I was like, I'm going to bust my ass. So I do the four sets in the morning with my trainer. And then I messed up my neck. Oh my God, I forgot about this. Yeah. So I like messed up my neck and then I like proper tweaked it. So I actually couldn't turn right anymore. <laughs> so I don't know if you ever see like a picture of what Zuck's office looks like, but it's like this kind of square glass, like dome thing. And there's all these different executives and people in the room. Like it's, it's a big strategy pitch, right? It's like a massive, you know, billion dollar initiative type thing. And I made sure when I went in, I was like saying hellos and all that stuff. And I made sure that I sat right in the corner because I couldn't actually turn my head to the right. So I needed like a full on, you know, view like that so that I could see what was going on. And it, yeah, it was super cool. It was really intense. And you remember this, like the amount of like all nighters and weekends and things that we're pulling at the time. But incredibly rewarding. You know, I Facebook's a $500 billion market cap company, and I got them to mobilize over an initiative that I deeply cared about. And with an incredibly kick-ass team, like I definitely didn't do it alone. We had a rock star team with us. Or I'm not there anymore, but the team is creating opportunities for thousands and thousands of creators to build a business on the platform. Let's take a minute to talk about one of my favorite educational platforms, Masterclass. I have been referring back to this platform for years and I love that you can simply log in and take inspirational classes from world-class coaches no matter where you are. If you haven't explored Masterclass yet, go to masterclass.com slash boss babe and scroll through some of the categories. I think you'll really love what you see. One of the latest classes I tuned into was Anna Winter's class on creativity and leadership. She takes you into her office as Vogue's editor-in-chief and it was so inspiring to learn about her leadership style, team culture, and how she encourages creativity in her team. Not only does Masterclass have tangible business development classes that you can watch at your desk or listen to on the go, but it also includes classes in 10 other categories ranging from food, home and lifestyle, music, wellness, design and so much more. There are over 200 classes to choose from with new classes added every month. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Plus, Every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash bossbabe. 
Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash boss babe, masterclass.com slash boss babe. So you had this amazing job at Facebook where breakfast, lunch, dinner, catered, gym, everything was great for us. And at one point you decided you wanted to start your own business. It was right after we'd moved to LA. What inspired that? It takes a lot to turn away from a really good corporate job to go all in and start from the bottom, which is essentially what you were doing. You'd had this career that was going up and to the right and you just decided, you know what, I'm gonna take a pause and figure out what I really wanna do. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It wasn't an easy decision. Yeah, I also wanna emphasize like Facebook was an incredibly good company. I have a lot of love for everything and the people there. Everything was taken care of. There's a thing called like the Facebook 15 where there's so much food and abundance of food that you put on 15 pounds within your first year of being there. That actually happened to me. It's an incredible place to work and they take care of you so well. The rationale for me was I was doing so well, career was growing. I was you know making a lot of impact. I was being recognized for it. But I was like, I'm starting to coast a little bit. You know, there's challenges, like there's a lot of work to do, but I'm just getting paid a really beefy salary and I'm not like learning a ton anymore. God forbid. It's anxiety. The minute, like, I don't know, everyone gets this. I don't know, maybe it's a certain group of people. I was like not growing fast enough. And that's the thing that I index on most highly is I need to be doing whatever is going to cause me to grow the most. And it kind of comes back to that point where like I wouldn't take that amazing job where I'd travel the world because I didn't feel like I was going to grow fast enough doing that. So, and working at Facebook, I was like, okay, what's the fastest way I can grow next? And actually, one of the catalysts for it was Boss Babe was on fire. You know, you were crushing it with the company. And I was like, you were having all these like growth challenges, good challenges, but it was like a pain in the ass to manage all this growth. And I was like, I want to help. I can help. Let's get into that then, because that didn't work very well. (laughs) (laughs) So to set some context, Stephen decided he was going to leave Facebook and spend a few months figuring out what his purpose was and what his business was going to be about. He didn't have the idea, but I think you kind of knew, right, if you stayed at Facebook. It was not a question of if I was going to do when. Yeah. I was like, ripcord, I'm out of here. I'm going to go do this. Yeah. And that's obviously a luxury that we had because I was obviously working and like you'd been saving. And so it's not a luxury that everyone has, but you with, you know, feeling like you couldn't actually get clarity on what that path was if you were still at Facebook because it was pretty demanding and challenging. So this is what happened. Boss Babe was running events around the world at this point. Became an event director. Yeah. We had an event in New York and then straight to London. And so I said, Stephen, well, if you're quitting your job and I'm being the breadwinner, then you're going to be helping me with Boss Babe. And he was like, yeah, I can do this. I can totally do this. I'll be the event manager. I'll help you run the events. It was a shit show and we'll probably never work together ever again because of it. It wasn't that the event was a shit show. Oh, no, that was great. Yeah. Just to be clear for everyone listening, I was actually quite good at running the event. Oh, you're a Virgo. You're incredible at running. You were so organized. You were amazing. Yeah. But I'd never ran an event before. Anyway, so it was like, it was a pretty big initiative for the company at the time. But holy shit, for anyone out there that's worked with their significant other, it is, it's not easy. And like, kudos to you if you're killing it and crushing it. We did it for a couple of months, but... It's so interesting. I think the way that it works is if it's both of your baby together, that's like an ideal outcome. But if it's someone else's baby and they're the kind of boss and the CEO of it and you're trying to come in and help, that's not a recipe for success. Well, let's just clarify. You just didn't like me being your boss. (laughs) That's what what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way (laughs) is exactly what I'm trying to say. So, no, that was a big thing. 
I mean, I, I love that. Like, Boss Baby Mission, super cool. I'm so behind the company. And, and anytime I can help, I'm like all for it. But is this going to be the two, three, five year rest of our life like plan? Yeah. And I was like, okay, what's the exit strategy where I can kind of move out here? And it was actually really cool because I got to get in, be involved quite early in the big growth spike that you had, which is, you know, bringing on new folks on the team, getting an office down in LA and being a part of that was really incredible, but it was not going to be the long-term plan. Yeah. Okay. So you figured out what you wanted to do when you started a company and have you been going a year now? Not even a year now. Not even a year. And you've done incredibly and casually won Forbes 30 under 30 for what you're doing in the space. So do you want to talk a little bit about what you're doing now, what pipeline is? Yeah, so most importantly, I've spent so much time in gaming video and in the content creator space for the last decade. I myself was one, and then I started working at Facebook and was building a platform for content creators. And over that time, I've seen so many common problems like with the industry and the way in which the different companies and platforms and the creators face these different problems and challenges. And I was like, we can do this a lot better, but I think the incentives are misaligned for the different stakeholders in the space. And I really wanted to set out to build a platform that would help content creators when they needed it most, which is when they were just starting out. A lot of folks in the industry right now help content creators when they're much larger. They'll get agents and things like that. They'll help them when they're at the top 1% or top 10%. I really wanted to build a platform that would help people just before they were starting or when they were right in those early days to make sure they didn't give up, to make sure that they avoided all the mistakes I made. An example, I had my face on a mouse pad <laughs> that was being sold in Southeast Asia for five years and I seen no money for it. And that was just some stupid mistake that I made when I was 19 at the time. And they could avoid all these mistakes and learn from the experience that content creators that have been in the business for the last five, 10 years have been in and share that with them. So Pipeline is a platform that's aimed at helping creators turn their passion into a career through a lot of educational tools, a lot of mentorship. We run events. We work with different partners, non-endemic and endemic in the space to really help lower the bar to entry and give you a better shot. And it's incredible the fact that you've been going for less than a year and you've welcomed thousands of students through and really have seen a big transformation in that progress as well. Do you feel like you're definitely like living your mission now? Absolutely. It's so funny. What I'm doing now is things that I've tried to do in the past, just not at the same scale. When I was coming up as a player, I always wanted to help the next person and I would go out of my way to like, if they were struggling through something or trying to work through something, I'd DM them and just give them a few things like here and there. And then when I was actually playing competitively, I was like, oh, we got to change these like player contracts because they're shit and players are getting exploited. So like I worked with one of my best friends to like reinvent player contracts for all the esports pros and that's used by thousands today. But I really wanted to come up with something that was more scalable and that I could help in the space that I care about. And that's what Pipeline is. It's truly a scaled platform that's aimed at helping tens of thousands, millions of creators do with a passion about. And so, I mean, I kind of know this because I'm living it and I live with you, but how are you finding the journey of entrepreneurship? Oh, it's fun. It's so good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the roller coaster is very real. What do you mean by that? When I say the roller coaster is very real, I mean, you can wake up a little like tired, but then you're like, I'm going to seize the day and you're going to go to the gym. You're going to be pumped when you go to the gym. Then you get back home, you start your nine o'clock meeting, you're like fired up because you've set your team off in the right way. Then 11 o'clock hits and there's a fire and you're like, F like the world's going to be ending right now. And then you kind of come out of that funk by about three o'clock. And then something happens again at five o'clock. You're like, shit, that needs to be done by tomorrow. And then your wife's coming home and you want to be like the best husband for your wife. And you're like, I'm just so fucking like the day was crazy. 
yeah, the entrepreneurship roller coaster is real because everything's your responsibility. Like if yeah. something breaks, if something's not running, like there's you're so emotionally invested in it. And also you're the one that's making decisions and making it work. You're the one paying people. And so it's very, very real. It, there's a lot of responsibility. And I think, I definitely don't think you got that before you were in it. Like you would see me experiencing it. And I think you could never really understand there would be days where I'd come home just crying and so Stephen's the most chilled, laid back person ever. There was times when it was really interesting because I'm working at Facebook and Facebook's obviously a very established company. They have different budgets and things like that. And I'm talking about how like I got approved so little budget compared to this other team. And Natalie's like thinking about, she's a startup and she's like, okay, can I put on this event? Should I not put on this event? And, like, and I'm like, I only got a couple of million dollars for this event. This team got, you know, like way more money. And she's like, fuck you. Like, it was yeah. so funny. I didn't really appreciate that at the time. And now I definitely do. When you're building a company, you know, I'm worried about can this mom put it on the table next month? Like, can I continue to pay? That's the kind of things that you're thinking about. You've got a bigger team that's growing. And that's a lot of pressure that I've never had before. Yeah, it's definitely a different experience. But I will say... All right, I hope you enjoyed the episode so far. Stay tuned as we share a bit of info about who supported this episode. This episode is brought to you by Skillshare. Now, if you've been following me for a while, you know how much I love taking an online course, especially during a time when we've all been indoors more than usual. I've been loving learning a new skill set or deepening an existing passion. That's why I use Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people. Members get unlimited access to thousands of amazing classes with hands-on projects from a community of millions. Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. Now, one thing I've been trying to get better at is organizing my inbox. Being the CEO of a company means that I'm always getting a ton of emails, but being the you know, type A that I am, I feel like I always need to have my inbox at zero, which I feel like you can probably relate to. So I decided to enroll in the email productivity work smarter with your inbox class taught by Alexandra Samuel. This course was really helpful. Alexandra walks you through her process of handling your emails effectively and efficiently so you can spend more time moving the needle in your business. I took all of her tips and implemented them and my inbox has honestly never been more organized. This course told me how to create a folder system. It's straightforward and it's really easy. I also learned the various hacks to proactively solve email overload. Now I can just go into my inbox and not feel that overwhelming feeling. This class is just one of many productivity courses that Skillshare has to offer and all of our listeners will actually receive two free months of premium membership by heading over to skillshare.com forward slash boss babe that's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free get started and join today by heading to skillshare.com forward slash boss babe again that's two free months of unlimited access to thousands of classes at skillshare.com forward slash boss babe And we're back. Let's jump straight into today's episode. So for me, if I'm speaking honestly, I was pretty nervous for you to leave your job and go into entrepreneurship because I had not dated an entrepreneur before and I'd not been in that kind of relationship. I'd always been the one doing my thing and I was I was the one doing the risky thing and not that Boss Babe is a risk anymore. We're a pretty established company and so I feel secure in that. But also 
I just hadn't had that. And so for two entrepreneurs, I was just really nervous and I didn't know if it was going to be too much stress, if we wouldn't work well together, if we're both working from home, what that would be. And it definitely does have its challenges. But one thing that I really appreciate is how much freedom it gives both of us Mm. where we can decide to take the afternoon off together. We can make appointments work at any time in a day. We can take vacation time whenever we want. There's no limit. And so that's one thing that I've definitely appreciated about this transition. Yeah, and I echo that. The freedom, the fact that like during the day we can or you can because you're better than I am, but like, you know, make us some lunch and I can clean up and then we can like go a brief walk for five minutes with Nala. That's that kind of thing would never happen if I was in a 95 corporate job. And I think those little moments are not to be forgotten in the midst of all the crazy is that we actually have that opportunity to spend time together, which is super cool. Our schedules are definitely a little different, but it's super cool that we have that fluidness to it where I need some more support. Can you help me right now? And it's like you can drop things and reprioritize things because you don't have pressure from someone else. There is always pressure. You're always like, you know, technically working for someone, but you have that ability to say no dot something else to make sure that you're taking care of each other, which I think is, you know, really special. I do think that's really special. And I do love that we can, although we're not good at working together, we actually can help each other a lot. I'm going to take some credit for the marketing of Pipeline in its year one. And I love that I was able to come in and really support you with that. And you've supported me so much with leadership and team and so many different things. And I think that's been really nice. And and it still continues to be like, we'll just put time in each other's calendar to do like a coaching session or something, which has been really helpful. Oh, yeah. One thing that I think people might be surprised is that we actually have our personal Asana that like- Oh, yeah. for a vacation that we're planning, like, because we're trying to, we're one, we're just have to be super organized when you're running company, but we also want to make sure we're carving out time for each other. So we started in Asana to make sure that we, like for a vacation or like we've got like an upcoming retreat is that we actually plan it and make sure it happens. That's one thing that's been super helpful. It's just like the organization, like to get shit done. Yeah, I mean, you're a Virgo, I'm a Capricorn, so of course we're going to be incredibly organized. But yeah, we have an Asana where basically we (laughs) sit down at the beginning of a year and we map out our team goals and then we break that down into quarterly goals. You all know I love quarterly goals, possibly planner. (laughs) We break them down in quarterly goals and then we set like our ideal vacations and like you say, time map out when that's going to happen. And it's really great. And then we just installed that new app, Copilot, which helps us manage all of our finances and our investments and everything. God, those Copilot just did well with that ad. They didn't need to talk to us or something. (laughs) I know, but all of these little tools I actually find really helpful. And we do schedule things on each other's calendars which might seem rigid to some people. But the thing is, if you don't schedule it and you're busy, it sometimes might not happen. And it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, but really having your priorities in order. Both of us, I mean, take last night, for example, I went up into Stephen's room and I was like, hey, what time are you going to be working till? And you said to me, well, I can, there's always more work I can be doing. So let's agree on a time. And that's the thing. And I think it's also the same if you're in a corporate job, but especially when you have your own business, there's no limit to the amount of, you can always find something to do. But I think we've gotten really good with setting our boundaries. Absolutely. And that's something I think you've taught me a lot about. I think you're really good at carving out time, protecting your energy. And it's something I'm not so good at that I'm learning a lot from you on. Like you're just a badass at getting, knowing when to say no, I need my time. That's something I'm getting better and better at, but learning a lot. I just love the sound of the word no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like some of the habits, rituals we have, we could share some of them. One of them is that we eat dinner together pretty much every single night it would be rare for us not to when we and cook. a cook meal yeah it's a cook yeah. meal every night yeah which i think it's a tradition kind of brought from home because mm-hmm. i know a lot of friends that don't 
necessarily cook in every night. But one of the things that just our upbringing, right, is like family dinner is a thing. So just wanted to make sure that we're actually having that. And I think it's one of the most special times to get to reflect and like be present with each other. Is another ritual watching TV? <laughs> is that another ritual that we can talk about? I mean, maybe. Like, I definitely try and schedule no meetings after 6 p.m. because I love to come home for 6 and cook so that we can sit down for dinner at 7. We went through a phase of playing board games after dinner, which is great. Or we watch Netflix and just spend time together, but our phones are away and we're not on phones, emails, or if we are, we're giving each other shit for it and, and putting each other's phone away. So I love that our evenings are really sacred. We typically go to, up to bed at like 9.30, if not earlier. God, we're entertaining even earlier right now. I know, but I think it's important. Like, yeah. otherwise, if you leave it so late, you're going to bed, you're so exhausted, you don't want to chat, you don't want to have sex, you don't want to spend time together, you're just falling asleep right away. And like, when are you making that sacred relationship time? Or like waking up early and actually having that time together. Oh, that's one. We're talking about rituals, which is like, you know, the kind of things we do. But I still feel like it's important to bring up is sleep. That was one of the biggest things that we learned with each other is how can two human beings sleep at the exact same time, wake up the exact same time. And I feel like if there's any couples listening that live together, they will absolutely understand what we're talking about, where it's like the husband wants to go to bed later or the, the wife wants to go to bed later, whatever it is. That was one of the biggest things for us that we had to adapt to. And it's actually why I got a vibrating watch. Which, for his birthday, uh, by the way. For my birthday. Guys, if you're listening and you have a significant other that's complaining about the time that you get up, get a vibrating watch. Yeah, you're so polite. This Stevens, this is Stevens' polite way of saying that we nearly got divorced because I don't like to get less than eight hours sleep. He doesn't need eight hours sleep. And so he kept waking me up and we couldn't find a compromise. So we got that vibrating watch, which has been a game changer. Best investment. And we've lately been waking up and meditating together and been doing some pretty hefty, like 45 minute sessions, which has actually been incredible and really putting us in such a great state and also is a really good way of spending time together and a nice energy as well. Yeah, no, it was really nice. I think one thing I'd also touch on that as a couple, I've realized we've put a lot of importance on is the personal time and personal development time, which has been really critical for us. Is like when you talk about two entrepreneurs being in a relationship and like, you know, maintaining that balance, I think any couple really is making sure that you create time for yourself within the relationship it's something you're really good at. You'll like organize vacation with your friends or I'll go play games with my buddies or spend time with them at lunch or things like that. And I think that's one of the things that's really helped us a lot, maintain a balance, is concert, like protecting our own energy so that we can actually show up for each other. That's a really, really good point. I think we do that really well. Another thing that we do is pretty much spend every weekend together, Saturdays and Sundays, and we're not on phones, we're not working. Like It's definitely uncommon for us to work on weekends. Yep. And we really try and get outdoors, spend time together, actually hit, like do quality things together, which is, it's been a kind of something that we've done from like the moment that we met, I think. Yeah, I think one of the things uh, we're like celebrating, like all the things we're really good at. I don't know why it kind of went that way, but. No, I just want us to talk about maybe like habits and rituals that we found that do really well. Yeah, I would say routine is the king. Is like having an established routine is really key. One of the things that, I found out as a guy that was really helpful in a relationship was like knowing how I feel. What a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Which I am like growing up as a kid, growing up as a guy, I was like, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm, I don't like this, whatever. I don't think about how I felt. I was just like, this is stupid. This sucks. I'm going to go somewhere else right now. And one of the biggest evolutions I've had in the last few years is how do I feel? Like, do I like this? Do I not like this? And then being able to communicate that. And that's still a work in progress is like effectively communicating. But 
that's one of the things that I would say I'm most proud of is our ability to improve communication between each other and being super conscious about that. But it's always a work in progress. Yeah, that that's true. And we definitely don't need to just talk about the things we do well because I think one of the things that we perhaps don't do so well is we're both incredibly passionate people. Mm-hmm. And I think in a relationship that can lead to a lot of fire. Yep. <laughs> and there's definitely no absence of fire in our relationship. Nope, that's definitely being so like we're kind of alpha founders and that helps us a lot in business but when you're both coming together and you're like we got to do this we got to do that we got to do this i'm like the taskmaster is the biggest thing (laughs) Uh, i always want to make sure we've got a task going on and natalie's got ideas you know out the wazoo she has so many different (laughs) ideas constantly oh my god this sums us up in one i am full of ideas but then I just don't like to do all the work for them. I like to delegate them. And I, I get paralyzed by the fact that we have, like, I got to go into execution mode. And, like, this got to get done. Like, how am I going to get this done? I've got, you know, two hours to the cure. This is it, yeah. basically mine and Danielle's relationship summed up too, though. She always says I leave her holding the baby, which is probably an accurate demonstration of um, us getting a dog. Yeah, but it's making me think about what it's like when we get a baby. Yeah. It's, it's become literal at that point. Let's talk about babies. What are we thinking? I feel on the spot right now. I would say daughter, two years. You can't plan if you're going to have a daughter or a son. It just is whatever you get given. I put it out there, right? That's the thing. You talk about like putting energy. Out. I'm saying I'm putting a daughter out there in two years. Two years. Yeah. That means I would have to get pregnant in just over a year. Better get to work. Yeah, here first <laughs> on the Boss May podcast. I love that. Okay, so I would love to ask you what is one misconception you think that people might have about me obviously you know me better than anyone else so what is one misconception maybe people listening or seeing me on instagram might have about me so you have an account with a couple million followers you create more content than most people could dream of making in a month in like a week and that would indicate that you're very extroverted and kind of Mm -hmm. out there and constantly in front of everyone but there's nothing you love more than being your PJs with some bark thins <laughs> cuddled up in like a, a kind of dimly lit room watching Netflix. Like you would much rather that night than being out on stage and like doing all that thing. I think so. one of the big misconceptions would be you're more of an introvert than an extrovert. Yeah, that's actually so true. So if anyone's interested like go to a lot of social events I do all of those things but I actually and whilst I love it and I can be really social I don't gain energy from that and I'll come home and like you see me I'm so depleted and like really need to spend time completely alone yep absolutely you definitely but you're really good at it that's the thing you're really good at setting boundaries and saying that I need my time and that's with me it's with friends it's with business it's everything you're just really good at saying I need a boundary and I think, you know, some people can maybe get offended by that or feel like can put off by that. But it's incredibly important for you to do the work that you do is creating those boundaries. Yeah. So for any ambitious couples that are listening, what advice would you give them for being able to really balance relationship and business? Because I do think we actually have gotten really good at that. I think we've both gone through phases you especially when you were at Facebook and me when I was really in hustle mode 
I think we have gone through phases where we've actually really neglected the relationship and we haven't spent much time together. And full disclosure, this was a big reason that we moved from San Francisco to LA because I was working from home. We didn't have an in-person team at the time and Stephen was constantly working or traveling. And I just felt so lonely. I didn't have community around me and I needed to be around people and I really needed my friends. I needed that and we moved to LA. And I think also in that move, we just learned to stop prioritizing work and actually start prioritizing prioritizing our relationship above everything else yeah it's one of the big epiphanies when you get married or when you're in a serious relationship you think of yourself as a unit like as a team and i think going a little deeper than that and like truly understanding that you're a team and that everything you're doing is together to a common goal that was one of the most powerful shifts for me and realizing that so is really ask yourself like are you truly like i think anything we're doing is for the team above all else like make sure you're really internalizing that because for me as a young guy, I had a lot of success. I, you know, traveled the world. It was all about me for many years. And switching into being a serious relationship and being married, that was a shift for me. A four-month shift. It was a four-month shift. Yeah, I thought I was hot shit. And then suddenly, like, it's not just about me anymore. And I was like, wow. So I think that was one of the big shifts for me was realizing we're truly a team and that everything we got to do is a team. The other is learning to listen and learning to know how you feel and communicate that is a big one for me that I think has been really helpful. Um, as a guy, I kind of ignore how I feel and it just kind of comes out in different ways, but really tuning in and, learn and listening to how I feel and then giving myself the time to process that is a big one, whether that's like at the gym or whether it's meditating or whether it's like doing a retreat, whatever it is for you, it's just taking that time. What else is really good? What do you think? Well, just speaking about the team thing and we're definitely bringing people in behind the scenes here, but in the beginning, yeah, we met and we were married four months later and I'm sure in another podcast we'll get into the details of that, but we decided to move very fast. I think when you know, you know, and we got married over here. We don't have any family here. All of our family's back in the UK. So we got married here and then we flew over to the UK and we did like a dinner just to celebrate with them, but we never really had like a big wedding. And we kept it pretty private between the two of us. I changed my name, but I didn't change it on social for a really long time. And then we started to kind of just settle into married life. We didn't move in together till we were married. So we took a pretty big risk. We didn't know if this was even going to work out. We hadn't lived together. We barely knew each other, but we very early on, I think we're kind of describes the kind of people that we are. We're very like, let's jump in to move fast and hopefully don't break things. Yeah. And like, if we're going to be in, we're going to be all in and we did all of that and we just decided like this feels right it feels like we are soulmates and it feels like we just reconnected like that day that I thought we weren't on a date it definitely wasn't romantic but I did feel really connected to you I didn't felt like I just met you and so we moved fast we moved in together right after getting married we booked a call with a financial advisor you were really pushy about this for us to combine all of our bank accounts everything so that we would have nothing individually which I was so nervous about I remember having lots of resistance to that in the beginning and it was a big conversation and we decided no let's do it let's not think about you and I let's not think about your paycheck and my paycheck but let's think about the team and what we're building and our common goals and so we've combined everything from four months knowing each other we put all of our savings all of our bank accounts everything together and we've continued to live that way and I think that's been really powerful and I know it's not for everyone yeah, I think it's it's hard. There's no roadmap for being partners. And it's it's actually asking two people to bring their lives together and spend, you know, so much time with each other is really hard and like unreasonable thing to do. And it takes a lot of work. And I think um, the sooner you realize is a lot of work and you put in the work to make it, 
be successful, that's when you get the rewards. And it, it's so funny. We were having this conversation the other week, which was, you know, we put so much work into our businesses. Are we putting that work into our relationship? Um, because if we're not, we don't deserve, you know, the, the results that we have in a relationship. And I think it's really important perspective just to, to give yourself that reflection. Is like, are you really putting in the work to your relationship? If you really are truly thinking on like, I want to be with this person for the rest of my life. Because I would really encourage that the earlier you do that, the better. And finances, yeah, that's one way of where we were like all in together. But it's just philosophically, are you really truly all in with this person? Yeah, I love that. So I just want to bring it back to kind of your journey. So you obviously left Facebook, you started Pipeline and you've done incredibly well in the past year. What are some challenges that you've had in being an entrepreneur and learning all of the things completely from scratch? So a big gap for me was digital marketing. A lot of Pipeline's early days was very focused on digital marketing. It's still a big part of what we do. And I didn't have a lot of expertise there. So you I had me, like, luckily. I did. I had one of the best digital marketers in the world, which is great. But I definitely had a lot to learn there. And that was super frustrating. I did eventually build the part where I was like, no, this is good. I'm learning. So I was like happy with it. But those early, early days was like, Fuck, this is so annoying. I'm getting so frustrated because I felt useless and stupid. The other thing that was hard was we decided to bootstrap and not raise money, which I think most people don't raise money, but where I come from, Silicon Valley, it was like raising money is the way you do it. Well, not where you come from, but what you're right, used yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's raising money in Scotland, I feel like. In my career, at least, I was like, okay, people raise, that's what they do. And, you know, go big or go home. And we made the decision not to raise money and go straight ahead and build into a business. And that was hard because I've been used to a level of resources that I didn't have access to. And that was a lot to work with and learn um, because then you're putting out stuff and you're like, might not be super proud of that stuff, but it's like, you can't go spend $500,000 on getting a video production made. And I was like, I'm comparing myself to these people that were doing that, my, my peers. And I'm like, that's annoying. And I think that was one of the hard things to adjust to is getting okay with, I might not be 100% proud of what I'm putting out. It's not like the finished product, but I need to get it out there. And I need to consistently doing that. And it'll get better and better over time and we'll get more resources and things like that. Because I look back to what we did on the first day and I look back to where we are now 10 months later and I'm like, holy shit, look how far we've come in just a small amount of time. But it's hard to get over that. Uh, that was hard. The other thing is when you're having a bad day, nothing will get done. Mm. That was something that I realized is like the company will almost, not totally because you've got a kick-ass team, but progress and like actual growth the minute you sulk or come down a little bit, growth dies. And that was quite a cold realization for me was like, okay, I'm going to funk this week. I got to get out of that or the company's just not going to grow. And that was a very good lesson for me that I learned. Because when you obviously when you're at Facebook, just because you're having a bad day, there's like, you know, a thousand other people that are working on that same problem and growing it. But when you're an entrepreneur, your company lives or dies by your ability to grow it. Mm, I love that you touch on that and when people ask me my advice for business I always say it's a game of energy management like you have to be so good at managing your energy because if your energy is low and you're in a bad mood you are going to get nothing done and you know it's never going to slow down there's always more you can be doing there's always something going on and so it's a game of how can you charge your battery how can you manage your energy how can you get on top of your emotions so that actually you are running your business in an effective way so in the beginning you mentioned you would be training seven days a week 12 hours a day which I think is incredible and for a lot of people listening they might hear us talk about boundaries they might hear this balance we have between relationship and business and it all sounds great but you did say in the beginning there was this phase of 
complete hustle. It was seven days a week. It was 12 hours a day. And I know I went through something similar with my business in the beginning. And I think it's very easy now for us to talk about boundaries. It's easy for us to talk about balance. But I often think in the beginning stages of getting your career off the ground or getting your business off the ground, it's not a luxury that you have. And I really love that. I think one of the big reasons that we met and kind of our relationship developed so quickly was because we're from the same place back home and we grew up very very similarly and I don't think we would be where we are had we not worked our asses off to get where we are and I think that's a really important message to put out there because it can look way easier on the outside but if you think about really where you came from and where you are now it's taken a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, full disclosure, my I grew up as a working class kid in Scotland and my combined household family income was $30,000. You know, like it's just stark contrast to where we are now. And I think for many people, you should really realize that you're a product of your environment and that is going to change the circumstances in which you have to approach whatever you do. And don't use it as an excuse. If you use an excuse, no one cares really it's ultimately your responsibility your life is your responsibility if you are not as fortunate that you're not born into like a wealthy family and you have to hustle your ass off to grow and get to where you want to be that's the answer go hustle your ass off and do it you start to afford more luxuries over time you become more experienced but you can't really shortcut there is no shortcut you got to go through you got to learn you got to fail you got to go through all of that and i think one thing you touched on was just the the energy side of things is try not get too high and try not get too low you know with your energy, try and just stay in the middle. And it's sometimes you might feel like you're not celebrating something crazy that happened, but actually it's, it's kind of better if you can just kind of maintain your energy in, in the middle a little bit, especially if you're in it for the long haul. I agree. Well, this has been amazing. I've loved interviewing you. Likewise, babe. How have I been? You've been great. You were quite soft. I expected it to be harsher. I'm not sweating right now. I feel pretty comfortable. It's great. <laughs> this morning I walked into Stephen's room. I was like, by the way, today I'm going to give you so much shit on the podcast. Like, be prepared. But I didn't. No, you didn't. You were good, babe. Love it. Thanks. Well, thanks for being on here. You're absolutely welcome. Where can everyone find you? Pimp yourself out. Snoopy. Not with a Y, though. It's S-N-O-O-P-E-H on pretty much every platform. And what about Pipeline? Pipeline is pipeline.gg. You want to check it out? Love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you love this episode, please subscribe, download a few more, and please leave us a review. I really want to hear what you enjoyed, what your main takeaways were, and I also want to know what you want to hear us talk about next. To say thanks for leaving us a review, we'll send you a copy of The Boss Babe 25. The Boss Babe 25 is the 25 essential resources you need for personal and professional growth. It covers everything from our favorite rituals, books, and hacks. If you want a copy, just leave us a review, screenshot it, and send to podcast at bossbabe.com. We will then email you a copy ASAP. And since we love Instagram, you can go to the hashtag The Boss Babe Podcast and find our latest post and leave a question in the comments. We love reading through the comments and we'll make sure to answer it on our next podcast. Thank you.